Power Hour. Coal. Oil. Natural gas. Power Hour, the show where today's top energy experts break down today's top energy issues. No sound bites, no talking points, no nonsense, no BS, no softball questions, no vagueness, just in-depth analysis and ruthless clarity. Here's your host, Alex Epstein. We are joined now by Ethan Atwood, Interim Vice President of Business Development at Surtech Heating Solutions. Ethan, welcome to Power Hour. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. So we met at the Alaskan Oil and Gas Association conference, right? That's correct. And you started telling me some very exciting stories about your experience with the moral case for fossil fuels and some of the material, other materials that Center for Industrial Progress uh, creates. So let's let's start at the beginning before you know before you ever encountered uh, the moral case for fossil fuels. Uh, how did you feel about your industry, and perhaps more importantly, how did you feel about your ability to communicate about your industry? Um, well, I guess I, I would even back up before I was in the industry and a little bit of the dilemma I faced when accepting a job in the industry. Uh, I had uh, I'd started in architecture and ended up moving out of that into another area and was offered a job in the oil and gas sector to come up and work in Canada for a company that does oil and gas service. And I wasn't really excited about the idea of it. And I'd really never given it a whole lot of thought. And I guess when it came down to it, I realized I, I was somewhat opposed to the idea of working in oil and gas and started wrestling lightly with the idea. And when, um, when I decided that it was, it was probably okay to do, it was with some reservations, basically thinking to myself, well, it's not that bad and we're just a service company. And then I got up and started working and I found out, wow, we're actually doing, we're, we're part of fracking and fracking is bad. Fracking is a, is a bad word and it's a bad thing. And it's, you know, so I had a little bit of a dilemma there as well. And, um, I was turned on to some, um, literature and some other things from my CEO. Um, you know, there was a, a documentary made to counter, uh, Josh Fox's Gasland and, and there was, you know, enough in there for me to say, well, I guess it's not, you know, the jury's out. Um, but it, <clears throat> it was still less of a, this is a good thing and more of a, this isn't the worst thing. Uh, I can do this and I'm not morally reprehensible myself for participating in it. Um, and then I guess I, after a couple of years of working in the industry, one of, uh, one of the vice presidents at our company, uh, found your book and, you know, started talking about the moral case for fossil fuel and started shaping really the narrative of our company and, and even the community. We started talking to other folks because where I live in Alberta mm -hmm. here in Grand Prairie is a oil and gas community. So if you get together with people, the chances are very good that they work in uh, directly or work in a related uh, form of the oil and gas industry, whether through service or direct support. So we started talking about it in groups and inside the company that, you know, maybe this, this thing we're a part of isn't such a bad thing. And, and maybe, um, the oil and gas industry is actually a, a good thing and we're actually contributing to, um, to the health and well-being of others. So it started there and kind of grew to a place where I think, um, 
myself and others um, in our company and in the community that we've had contact with have become um, kind of abstinian, <laughs> if you want to call it that, in our way of thinking about this, that not only are we we doing something that's okay, but this is really um, an integral part of, of Western culture. It's an integral part of world culture that we're, we're actually helping people. And we, we've gone from feeling apologetic when people say, Hey, what do you do? Uh, we say, Oh, well, I, you know, I work in a service. Go, well, well what kind of service? Well, you know, <clears throat> oil and gas. Um, so now we're saying, yeah, I work in oil and gas. And when people raise the eyebrow and say, Oh, yeah, that must be tough. Instead of saying, Yeah, it is tough. I, I know it's, but you know, it's not all bad. Instead, we say, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm actually really proud of it and, and all that stuff you hear about it. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more. And almost every time we start that, people say, oh, well, you know, I never really thought of it that way. And, and the vast majority of people I speak with, um, I would say nearing 100% with just five minutes of discussion are willing to concede that it actually is a good thing and that there is a bit of an overreaction, if not a significant overreaction to the, the downsides and, and, you know, using some of the simple arguments about the fear we have in, you know, in, in traveling in cars and the fear we have in, in other things that actually do cause real and immediate harm. Um, we don't write them off the same way we've written off an entire industry that's made the world significantly better um, and continues to and without it would make the world significantly worse. Um, so it's it's really kind of exciting. It, you know, it's such a, a kind of a simple twist on a foundational principle, a foundational way of thinking um, that you can reveal a whole host of things that people have just swallowed without thinking even a little bit about. What? What were so was the first thing you were exposed to the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels? No, I actually was handed the book and I thought, who is this guy? I don't usually just read every book handed to me. Um, I actually pulled up a number of websites and started looking at talks he had given. I think there was one with, was it the Young Turks or something like that? It was, um, yeah, the interview with Ben Mankiewicz. That's one of my personal favorites yeah and that was the one where i watched that and i kind of i kind of sat back and said wow that's really good this is interesting so so that prompted me to you know to look at more videos to read to to kind of dig in um and that's exactly the same way i push the stuff on other people is uh the first thing i do is i i show some of the interviews i show some of the stuff that's online i i forward people your you know the more recent stuff as well now you know your interview with barbara boxer well it wasn't with barbara boxer with uh um the the committee there uh and um you know and, and show the um Show the power of the simple, you know, twisting of logic, you know, changing things from, from the, the swallowed presuppositions we've been given. Um, and, you know, just a little bit of a twist in a conversation that can change the entire narrative. So in those early interviews or, and or when you read the book, what points jumped out at you most or, or what way of framing things jumped out at you most that, that you found, uh, immediately helpful? Well, I really think it has to do with, um, kind of like I said, going back to the, the fundamentals of what are we trying to accomplish? I guess the, the question that, that never gets asked, which is to what end? You know, if, if we're discussing these things and we're not asking to what end, what is the point? Where are you leading me? You know, we can start with recycling is good. 
and and I'm more than happy to say, yeah, recycling's good. I think it's a fantastic thing. We, you know, we should recycle some things. You know, instead of throwing that thing out, maybe you can reuse it. Um, there are really good good things that happen, but what what we've missed is the the questioning as we've moved forward. You know, Captain Planet's awesome, um, and we're really really glad that he's our hero and he's going to bring pollution down to zero. But you know, what, what, what are we, who are we fighting? And, and in those scenarios, it's always, you know, industry is bad. Okay. Sure. Industry is bad. Um, and then, you know, oil and gas is bad. And, and there's no question of, well, what, you know, is there good industry? Is this all industry? Is this Western industry? Um, what, what do you, what's your point? And, you know, realizing that when, we start to ask these questions and say, well, what, what is your greatest good? And, and when their answer is that, you know, the greatest good or, or your, your worldview or I mean, almost your religious ideology is that, you know, minimizing human impact on the environment is truly the greatest good. Um, you know, you have to realize at that point that we, we don't have our, our ideas aligned. And the problem is that is seemingly the, the logical conclusion, if not the stated um, purpose of the green movement, which is, you know, minimizing human impact, on, you know, human impact on the environment, and saying that that is the greatest thing we can accomplish. And if if you ask someone and say you would rather see, you know, a, a holocaust than to see the the you know the earth impacted, and they, you know, most people say, well, no, no, of course not. But the problem is that, as you've pointed out in your books and, and in your speaking, that is the logical conclusion if many of these policies are enacted. And and that is where, you know, I think if people can get to that place to say, well, really tell me what what end are we looking at? What are we trying to accomplish with these these ideas? Sure, again, it's like it's like being duped by an Amway salesman. It's like, yeah, I like free dinner. Let's have free dinner. Um, you know, and, and, and realizing that, you know, look, yeah, I, I'm sure I, you know, if I had a million dollars, that would be great. Um, and yeah, it looks like that cleaner really works. And now you want to take over my life and, and then you realize that they want it for their own good and that your, your ideas never align and they really weren't your friend to begin with. They just wanted something out of, you know, giving you this dinner. And every, and, you know, starting to feel betrayed. So there is this, this thing where you say, again, to what end? Uh, that's really where, I mean, asking that sort of a, a simple question, and it really isn't a, I mean, it's a question we should be asking in all things. Um, what, what is the goal? Where, where are you leading me logically? And unfortunately, the, the logical conclusion of the green policies, these, you know, minimizing human impact and, and minimizing the footprint, um, the end is, is not pro-human. Um, and that's where I think that's the biggest shift to see that, you know, look, this isn't, a, you know, just a, a simple, innocent ideology um, or philosophy or religious belief. This is a fairly aggressive position. If you're wanting to tell me that that this is bad, you need to tell me that it's bad on some other grounds than minimizing human impact. You can't just tell me that for me to change the earth in some form is bad. I need I need more. And and what I think I've found and I think everybody that's thought about it looks at it and says that that's that's just kind of a load of crap. It's not really that's not the greatest good. There are many, many other greater goods and everyone at a at a foundational you know level would agree, except for a few real crazy folks. And unfortunately, as again you point out, there are a number of those really crazy folks genuinely are really crazy. They genuinely believe that a Holocaust would be better than for, you know, the earth to be 
changed in some form or another any more than it has been. Uh, and they're leading the movement. A lot of those people really are, you know, they, they have their heads on. They know what they're doing. Their end game is, is not a mistake. Um, and that's where I think that gave not just a sense of, of purpose seeing that saying, well, I need to change the way I think, but this is actually something to be combated. It's not just, uh, well, you know, we think differently and yeah, fossil fuel really is good. It's look, you know, the alternative that is gaining traction uh, is not just, you know, this innocent idea that's going to go on and, and, you know, we'll get a lot of really good technology out of it. And, and like the space race, you know, it may, may have been useless, but we got a lot of cool stuff. It's more than that. It's saying if, if this actually happens, real people are going to really hurt. And I have in my son, my, you know, my eyes now a moral obligation to oppose that. So you can't just do this because real people will die. How about the the positive of that? You mentioned that you felt much, much more effective persuading people. Uh, I imagine part of that, at least with my experience and others' experience as a guide, is is the be able, is the ability to tie everything to what you call that that greater end. I think you know that that to you know you want maximum human flourishing. So if one is identifying that the standard of minimum human impact is is wrong and anti life. But then the positive is max, you know, maximum human flourishing. And in my experience, that you know, once I can get people to agree to that as the standard, and, and most people will, then that give, that just reframes the whole conversation and opens them up to thinking about fossil fuels in an objective, pro-human way. How, do, how does your experience uh, relate to that? Well, absolutely. I think there's that's that is the second part of it. And, you know, usually when you make statements like real people will die, like like your interview, um, you know, on on the was it wasn't the Young Turks, but whatever it was. He, he is a host from the Young Turks. <laughs> okay. It's called the surge. Um, the surge. But he was invited. Um, you know, his his objection there, you know, instantly moves you into real examples of where fossil fuels have brought millions out of poverty and by association from, you know, an early demise. So the positive ends of it, you know, just even simply pointing to, you know, you, you like getting to the hospital on time, as you pointed out in Alaska at the, uh, the convention there, you like getting to the hospital on time so that your, you know, your life and your child's life can be saved quickly. The positives of keeping those things are, are, are huge. Everyone really enjoys wearing clothes. You know, it's nice that our, our clothes can be made so cheaply. Um, so those, the, those things I think are just a natural outgrowth, um, from the, you know, beginning to reframe it saying, you know, not only do we need to reframe to what end, but it is really look at the world. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to speak much on it. Just look at the things that we get to enjoy. And if we want to, you know, I think it's reasonable to say we, we should be looking for greater technologies, better nuclear, cleaner nuclear. You know, it'd be neat if there was, you know, some sort of cold fusion out of water. That would be great. But we need fossil fuels to get there and to turn off the lights and the heating and, and stop using our vehicles. Um, will only hinder that and we're not going to progress. We're not going to grow. We're not going to make the leaps and bounds required so that we can, you know, run a car at, you know, 300 miles per gallon or on no, no fuel. You know, it's not fuel at all costs. It's the, it's the absolute best there is. And it's really easy to point that out. So one of the top questions, if not the top question I get from people in industry, including CEOs of companies, is 
hey, how do I make my employees into ambassadors? You know, these, mm. these are people who are being attacked in terms of, the, you know, what they do for a living is being attacked. And it, it can seem like this intractable problem, right? I actually see two perspectives on it. So one is the idea that, well, if I just give you five sentences that are all purpose, then in any context, you'll just use the five sentences and everything will go well. Uh, mm -hmm. which, as anyone can probably tell from my tone, I do not agree with this mm -hmm. uh, supposition. But then I think the other side, so one side is like, okay, there must be a quick fix. Uh, give it to me or fax it to me. And then the other one is, well, it's just really not possible because they're just so immersed in it. And, you know, okay, you, Alex, can do it. And there's a whole bunch of excuses, like, and understandable ones. Like, mm -hmm. well, for instance, I spend a lot of my time on this. It's my job and it's not their job. And that's certainly true. Or they'll say, well, you're an outsider. You know, you came to this without being in the industry. So, uh, but it seems like your experience shows that it's, it's very possible to be effective without it being your full-time job to be a, a communicator or a philosopher or an energy, uh, analyst. So what would you tell the companies in terms of if they're, if they're looking for the most efficient path? to help their employees become ambassadors, which improves both their motivation and their ability to advocate on, on behalf of any cause that's crucial to the company's survival, what, what would you tell them? Well, I think the first thing I would tell them is with their employees, I mean, if they're already employed in oil and gas, the chances are good that they fit into a category of person that isn't terribly morally opposed to it or, you know, they're um, at the very least somewhat okay with it. Um, and I, I've, in my mind, at least I've broken down the groups of people, um, in my life that I've spoken to on issues relating to this, not, not directly to oil and gas, but, um, just when you have a philosophical esque conversation with people, there are kind of three groups of folks. And there are the, I think kind of the, the conscientious sorts of people that, um, are just trying to do what they think is right. And more often than not are going to do what's politically correct, do what is popular, you know, at, at least in, in some form in the science world. Then you've got the, the somewhat radical sorts, the, uh, the folks that have a, a cause and they're going to go with it no matter what. Um, and then I think there's a third subset of that, which is, um, people that just aren't really thinking and end up finding them some, some, you know, themselves someplace where they, they have no formed ideology or philosophy or religion. They're just kind of floating around and, I think the vast majority of folks fall into the somewhat conscientious group. And if, you know, if you are somewhat conscientious, I think you are, you know, very vulnerable to the green movement because, you know, people look at you and say, well, don't you think it's a good idea to be a good steward of the planet? And the answer is, well, of course. You know, and don't you think it's a good idea that you should, you know, minimize the damage you're doing to things? And the answer is yes. And, and so you get walked down this path to where before you know it, um, you're, you know, you're not morally opposed to holding up a Greenpeace sign and shooting down a, a fishing vessel. You know, you're like, well, that's, how did I get here? Um, and I do think that in, um, the working world, um, it's easy to, to work with people that are conscientious because they end up places that they don't really mean to end up by people that don't have their best interest in mind. They have a, a dogma that they want to push mm -hmm. and they do so incrementally with, you know, again, it starts at captain planet and it ends in, you know, if you don't get rid of your vehicle, you know, you are, you know, you are evil. Um, and so I guess 
from from you know my standpoint, almost all the people I've worked with are those conscientious sorts, meaning that they really do want to think about these things and they're happy to to engage to some level. And because they're not rabid about it, it makes it easy. So I have not really encountered any any folks on the rabid side. Um, and I think it's it's um, you know people watch your videos and see you going up against, you know, national leaders whose job it is to convince the world of these things. And it terrifies them. I don't want to have that conversation. You know, I personally don't want to have that conversation because those people are probably smarter than me. They know their facts probably better than me. I could probably hold my own for a little bit, but that's really not what you're going to find. That's, I have not yet found someone that when I said, you know, no, I think oil and gas is good. Let me tell you why nobody's thrown anything at me. Even people I kind of thought, well, you know what? I'm this, this could be really ugly. Nobody does. It's um, I think people are, are starting to somewhat wake up to, to this idea of, of being betrayed, feeling like, you know, they have just sat through an Amway. Like I, all, I thought we were just going to get, you know, it was cheaper. You said it was cheaper and now it's more expensive. What, what is this? Um, you know, and, and who can't argue with, you know, a, a CFL, a compact fluorescent light saves you money and the planet. Hey, bonus, you know, and if you start there, it sounds like everything's going to be all rosy. And then all of a sudden someone drops the bomb and say, I want to quintuple your energy bill. And I want you to put, you know, to, to live out in your van, you know, no more heat. You go, well, whoa, 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 you know, and, and you go, well, I guess I've got to be a good steward. And people say, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with this ideology. And I can't put my finger on it because this is getting rabid. And I think people want to have this conversation and they want to be convinced. They want to, you know, they, they, I mean, you sit in your home and turn on the heat and go, that's really neat. I mean, everybody's had that moment where you turn on hot water and think, man, I have it better than most anybody in the history of the world. Isn't this cool? And, you know, never do you feel guilty. Oh my goodness, I'm destroying the planet. And as you, you know, shampoo your hair. Um, so everyone I think has that somewhat written on their consciences, written somewhere where they think, you know, this is good. This is right. And all it takes is someone saying, you're right. It is good. It is right. You don't have to feel guilty about this. And with, you know, a, a few minutes of just pointing out the obvious and I think pointing them to some of the, uh, you know, the highly um, disingenuous statements about, um, you know, the, the damage you're doing. Also, the, you know, the, the twisted ideas of, of what what is the greatest good for them because most people don't agree that that is truly the greatest good um you know minimizing human impact so i think with a few minutes you find that that's that's really the majority of people really want to be convinced so then to go back to part of my earlier question you know what would you recommend to the ceo of a company who says i want to turn my employees into more effective ambassadors because you know i alex have my recommendations mm -hmm. uh and those have a certain amount of credibility but you're somebody who has gone through the process that's exactly what they would want their employees to go through so what would you recommend if you had to give you know a couple of steps that wouldn't be too you know require an insane amount of commitment like that wouldn't require a hundred hours or something like that or billions of dollars mm -hmm. uh, what you know what would be your recommended curriculum or course of action well the course of action slash curriculum i guess would be 
um, first start. I mean, it starts with the conversation from the CEO to the people. I mean, that's what's happened in our company is um, we had one individual, just one individual starting to have conversations. Um, and, you know, we've stopped saying, as I read, we've stopped saying, as I saw in this video, and it's just now our our way of thinking and it's, it's, it's been adopted and it was adopted fairly quickly. I mean, it's the sort of thing again, where I think it's, it's more just having those conversations and, and starting, starting somewhere with, um, you know, if it's someone that's already read the book, if you're talking to a CEO and he hasn't read your book or he hasn't seen your videos, then he has to start there. Um, So which, which ones would you, uh, would you start with and which ones, would you know should the employees start with well honestly i think if if you were to sit down with a group of people and we've done it all individually we never had an official seminar let's sit down and go through these videos um but that that video the young turk guy video was the first one that we sat down and watched with just me and the guy who started telling me about it and i watched through that and instantly was like yeah you know that's really neat and it was from there reading you know reading the book starting to just dig into the book um so I think, I mean, I think that would be it. It would be start with something simple, you know, a really nice synopsis of um, these talking points with a counterpoint. I think that's the, you know, I think everybody's used to, you know, particularly in the Facebook uh, world of we only hear the things that we set ourselves up to hear and they're, you know, in the back of our minds, we know they're somewhat straw men because if someone with a brain were to come and combat it, it would all fall apart. I think there's a huge amount of strength in seeing those ideas put to the test and, and come out on top. So in your interview, you know, you, you're pressed. What, you know, why you're saying this, that's crazy. And then you come back and say, no, well, let me show you why this isn't crazy. Let me show you why this is helpful. Um, and to see that counterpoint succeed is uh, empowering. And it's, you know, it's like, well, Hey, if, if I can just memorize that little bit right there, uh, or if I can just, you know, internalize that idea, I think I can talk to, you know, someone pretty easily. Um, and then it starts with, a, you know, even within our own company, it was pretty neat. To the first couple conversations I had, I, I basically spoke directly from that video. I mean, I plagiarized 100% of it. Um, and I was shocked. I was like, wow, everybody in here is like, yeah, absolutely, no no problem. And it wasn't combative to begin, but it was very skeptical, like, ah, oh, really? Um, moved to, oh, yeah. And then, you know. Sooner than later, we were, you know, out at a, you know, at an event with our guys and I heard them speaking the same way saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in a really good industry. Um, and it just falls downhill from there where, um, you know, they become ambassadors to their friends because they've wanted to tell them they do something good. You know, they've been, you know, I don't know, nobody wants to work in an industry, uh, where, where you feel bad about, about telling people what you do. You know, this isn't the Gestapo. This is, you know, this is a job and it's providing a wonderful service that people need. Uh, so I think, you know, depending on the company and depending on the people, you're going to find that it's not something you have to force. It's something that they want. They want to be able to defend their livelihood, you know, and, and they want to defend that the actions they take are good. That's really interesting to me. I've been thinking a lot over the last six months about the value of these events or interviews I do that have this confrontational aspect, because I've noticed uh, over the last five years that those are invariably the most popular things that I do Mm -hmm. when I'm involved in some sort of debate. And I've been 
I have a little bit of a conflict, or I have had a little bit of a conflict in my mind, because ultimately what matters most to me is, is the positive, mm-hmm. is, is as clearly as possible uh, framing the issue and then thinking about the issue. But I, I think it's really important uh, to go up against the opposition for a couple of reasons, and, and the, I'll mention the one you mentioned in a second. But w- one is I think it, it can provide encouragement to people that it is possible to stand up uh, against people that you think are, are advocating the wrong policies. And those, those people are certainly dominant in today's national conversation. Uh, but the other is, I think there's, it, it, there is a certain objectivity in seeing the positions pitted against one another, because you do have that thing in your mind. Okay, well, what would, what would the smart opponent say? About this, and and often people, if it's somebody who's predisposed to support my view, they they'd have that in the back of their mind, and if it's someone who's predisposed toward opposing me, that's at the front of their mind. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I was uh, speaking the other night in uh, at an event in San Francisco that had a bunch of uh, really smart people from all sorts of uh, different fields, you know, from venture capital to biology, and. They had an experience that I think is is common when I speak to groups of people who you know many many expect to disagree or are skeptical or whatever, where they're always surprised that I have an answer to all of the different things that come up. So what'll happen is I'll, I'll give the framework and then I'll give the facts and then it, it'll sound plausible and it'll sound more plausible I think than other things they've heard. But then there's this there's this anticipation of okay, well what are the opponents going to say? Right, because they they must have this fantastic argument because after all they're really smart and their position is dominant in the culture, and then mm-hmm. you know one by one they start asking the questions, but then the framework that I've given helps answer all of those questions, and the moral case for fossil fuels is 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 strongly reinforced by that, and then mm-hmm. a certain number of people actually wrote to the event organizer and said I refuse to come to this. You know this guy's you know this guy must be a kook. Like how can you how can you invite this person? But then the people attending say, well, you know, you really should have gone because it would have been interesting to hear you ask one of these really powerful questions and expose him because it didn't seem to work. It didn't seem to happen uh, at the event. And so I think, I think it's just really valuable for people to see what happens when the, when the known exponents of each approach go up against one another in a civil way. I think that really brings out uh, the strength, the you know, the relative strengths and weaknesses of the, the positions. Do you think that's what's going on in terms of your reaction to that uh, video? I think so. And I, I think a part of it is because this has become such a, an ideological battle, almost religious. Um, in fact, I think it is religious in terms of how how rabid you see these people on, on the green movement side. Um, we almost have to have an ideological, um, you know, revolution in our own minds, because as, as you're looking at this one false religion and, and people are starting to say, well, this is false. This is a bad religion. When someone else comes along and says, here's a better way to think, whether people want to or not, um, they need to accept your whole ideology and look at you and say, does this guy have a, a whole cohesive worldview that works? Because I'm, I'm not going to just jump on. And which is why when, when you had, I think there was another video that was helpful, um, watching you handle 
um, students asking stupid questions and draw, drawing. <laughs> I don't. Draw- that's not specific enough. Do yeah. you remember uh, the particular video? Yeah, there was there was some kid talking about how um, it would be better if we went back to the feudal system. Oh yeah, yeah, eco hecklers. Yeah, eco hecklers. Like and. And when you, you know, you answered that question, I don't know how much of an impact, I'm sure it had a, a, an impact on, on my thinking about you and your worldview, but when he asked those questions, you immediately switched into um, a position that showed that your thought works throughout history. You know, you said, well, what you're, you're saying you want to go back to when we were, you know, we had a surf system and, and where the, these feudal lords, you know, were, you know, protecting these folks like the mafia and you want to see child labor and you're, you know, so are you saying that, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we, you look at you and say, well, this guy, his, his ideas hold water beyond this one point. Um, and I don't think anybody's looking to replace their whole worldview, but at the same time, because this is a worldview question, um, how do you, you know, it's, a, it's, a, the, we're talking about presuppositions here. What, what, what are we getting to? What's the point of life? How does this work? What, what is good? Um, you know, those questions all enter. If it doesn't, you know, if you aren't able to show that your thoughts hold water across different, you know, different sectors into and out of history, well, then then people aren't going to listen to the rest of what you have to say. So I think I was already somewhat sold when I watched that video. But I, I remember talking to people and saying, you know, what's really good about Alex Epstein. And, you know, he's got this figured out. And, and you know, this, this is really great. And he's got all these things that he's, you know, he's pulling in all these ideas, and it really works. Um, and I think that's helpful, because it is a big shift. And you are asking people to give up their childhood teaching, you know, that, that we need to be, you know, eco-sensitive. And what that means is we need to do all of these things that Al Gore has set out for us. And when we say, well, maybe not, um, you're asking a lot of someone. They want to go there, but you're still asking a lot of them because you're, you're telling them that everything they learned about, you know, the, the recycling man that came to their elementary school and was telling them reduce, reuse, recycle is, is so important. Um, you know, again, it's not bad, but it's, it's the, the follow up of that, that they really have to rethink the last 15 years of their life all the way into college when they thought they were being such critical thinkers. Uh, and now maybe they weren't. So I think that's where, you know, the, the, the ethos that you bring, I think helps is helped a lot by seeing it put to the test because it enables people to say, I can trust this guy. He's not crazy. Um, yeah, this works. All right, so we have in terms of Ethan's prescription, we have, uh, okay, so first we're going to have employees view, you know, one of these, uh, you know, one of these debate type videos or I don't want to say confrontational, but, you know, one, you know, one of these videos where the moral case goes up against, uh, you know, conventional wisdom and then they're going to read the employees will at least be offered the moral case as something to read. What about after that? What, what can CEOs do? What can companies do, uh, you know, to take the next step to get people to the level that, that you're at or that some of your colleagues are at? Because it, I'm at, it didn't just end with people reading a book and then being silent. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it, it's not a, I mean, because it's a change of thinking and because it's, it's asking people to, think more critically about the things that they're being fed. It's not, it's not like all of a sudden everybody wears jackets around here. I mean, we, I think our, our company is almost completely now in agreement. I've, I've not seen anybody or heard anybody within our company, um, not have a very similar worldview when it comes to the, you know, the moral, um, 
case for fossil fuels. Um, but I, you know, where it does come up is when we go to events or when I, I'm, you know, we have days where employees bring their families for lunches and that sort of thing. And people have conversations and I see people meeting other people at card games with employees or, you know, and, and discussions ensue. That's when it starts coming out. So the ongoing keep up of it, I do think is, it's more in the foundational nature of, of a thought change. I mean, if, if you change the way you think, you know, you'd be, you know, instead of, um, you know, it's more of a, I don't know, an eye-opening experience that is going to change the way you speak in, in all areas regarding the industry. So, um, I guess it, it kind of takes care of itself. Once you change the way someone thinks, um, you've really, set them for, you know, a change for the rest of their lives. And that's where I don't think, you know, if, if they're honest and I do believe most of the people that I can confirm are unbelievably honest about the fact that their thinking has changed, you know, it's, it's not an upkeep keep issue so much as it is a, you know, they're, they're now thinking differently. Does that make sense? I don't know. That's, that's, (laughs) that's very heartening, uh, to know. And, you know, I think that I think that the first because because that's with the people who you know who learn the moral case. I think that you know what happens is they have a new framework for thinking about things, and then it's not as if this is an obscure issue, right? It's not obscure in the culture, and it's not obscure if it's your job to be involved mm-hmm. in it. So you you naturally think about the implications of it in different contexts, in different arguments, and and there's a certain natural evolution. Yourself, have you have you taken how to talk to anyone about energy? I have not. No, I saw the. I've seen it come through, and I have not taken the okay, course. We'll, we'll definitely just send send you a copy. But yeah, that would I think give you even more steroids. I think you've uh, you've you've figured out. I think a lot of of what's in that course in terms of how to apply the thinking framework to a conversational framework, which is really what the course. Uh, is about, but uh, that that's also something that helps people a lot. I'll, I'll plug it at energychampion.net. People uh, people can get it. But I think yeah, the, the idea that the thinking shift, the framework shift, it 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 leads inexorably if if it's a serious one to people thinking and talking about it differently. And then we can offer additional tools like that course, and also any new article that we bring out, any new interview can supplement that. But I think it's, you know, what I'm taking from this is that there are these, there's this stage of, of getting really intrigued by it, which is helped by have, you know, by seeing the different perspectives go against one another, the different frameworks. People don't even know there's another framework. So by seeing the, the dueling frameworks, that creates a lot of motivation. And then by uh, being exposed to the framework, uh, you know, including all the facts that fill out the framework, uh, you know, that's, that's the next step. So yeah, I'm going to, in our newsletter, I'm going to highlight this because I think that as a first step can be really helpful because often otherwise people just think, well, you know, it's, it's just another book, right? Mm-hmm. I, and you mentioned that yourself, right? You don't just read a book because someone uh, gives it to you. And, but if you see, well, the book is just a, is just a delivery mechanism. But what it is is, oh, there's a way of thinking about this and understanding about, uh, understanding it and talking about it that makes a lot of sense and is, is worth exploring, particularly if it's what I do for a living. And 
and or if it's something that I want to be a more effective advocate of. So uh, that was that's a really fascinating point. Uh, so we're going to wrap up soon. Any final thoughts you want to share with our audience, which consists of you know everyone from CEOs of energy companies to just uh, what I would call ambitious citizens who want to help contribute to human progress? Well, I think I, the last thing I'd say is kind of just re- reiterating what I said before, which I do think um, is is unbelievably true in this, is that the vast majority of the people that are finding themselves either by accident or intentionally in this green camp and aren't horribly comfortable with where they are, um, those conscientious sorts really do want to be convinced otherwise. I think there's, there, they, they see the cracks and they see the, the, the holes in thinking that are leading them to a place they don't want to be. So I think it's just to be reminded that, you know, if we're talking about truth, and I think we are talking very much about truth, um, truth will out, truth will, will, you know, will set you free. Um, and when you speak these things, understanding that you're bringing truth to a situation, um, people want that. And, and, even if they put up a fight at, at the beginning, uh, these ideas, if they are true, and I believe thoroughly that they are, um, that there is not much of a, a fight to be put up um, against it. And, and that makes it even easier when you're bringing something that you, you know, you know and can see uh, the proof of. It makes the job a lot easier. All right. Awesome, Ethan. Well, I was excited to meet you when we uh, got to hang out a little bit in Alaska and I, I uh, that's why I asked you to do this interview and I learned a bunch from it. I learned more from it than I thought I would actually. I mean, just because I, you know, I have a lot of expertise in persuading people, but, but hearing your perspective emphasized some aspects of it that I hadn't thought of. So I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm sure the audience will be grateful uh, for that. And I think you're living proof that it is possible to be an effective champion of, of, fossil fuels and more broadly human progress and so i hope people take that to heart and so what what we'll do on the website and in the newsletter is we will give you know the the links to the exact things ethan is talking about and uh you know i i'm always encouraging companies hey look there's a lot of really efficient uh free or very low cost things you can do to completely empower uh, your employees, and I hope that Ethan uh, serves as an example of that. So, Ethan, thanks so much uh, for being on the program, and I hope we will have some. I know we will have some more stories soon of more people like you. But thanks for being an inspiration to many. You're welcome, and thank you so much for having me. Power Hour: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Energy. Power Hour. The antidote to shallow thinking about energy issues.